0: As we look at this text in Joshua chapter 1, uh, I just would like to say by way of introduction that we're really not going to be looking at the gospel. In other words, I'm not going to go into a detailed explanation of the work of Christ for our salvation. I'm not going to be detailing how His death is the only accepted sacrifice for our sins. That after three days he was raised again, and that authenticates not only his person but his work and the full acceptance of God the Father in respect to that sacrifice for our sins, and that all promises in Christ are sure. I hope that you have come to a persuasion regarding the person and work of Christ, that you've come to trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you have, according to the word of God, you are saved, you are forgiven, you presently possess a certain kind of life that's different than this life, this physical life. It is eternal life. But as we look at this text, I want to look at it through the gospel, I want to look at it through Christ. Abdu, one of the man that has come to Christ when we first started meeting and really for a period of time, maybe he still has some of this perspective, as he looks back at the Old Testament, he would look at it with disdain. Don't do that. Don't look back at the Old Testament as something that has no purpose or meaning. It is rich and full and purposeful for believers today. But what I want us to do as we look at this text, I want us to look at it through the gospel, look at it through the work of Christ in us. That this would be a work of grace in us, that we would respond to the working of God in us. He is working in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure in Christ. Let's allow the Lord to do that work in us through this text. As we look at this text this morning, I think it's a fitting text for a new year. As we come to the close of one year and the beginning of another, it's a great time of assessment spiritually. Businesses do this all the time. You might even do it in your personal planning for your daily habits, but it's a great time to do it spiritually, to assess the past and to look forward into the next year in just a very sobering way and to seek that God would give grace that you would grow in Christ in a greater way in 2019. Now, as we look at this text, Joshua chapter 1 is very well known. It's not so much known for its general content, but it's very well known for one particular verse. Do you know what verse that is in Joshua chapter 1? Verse 8. That is one of the, one of the best or common, most common verses memorized and applied for believers today, and it deals with our relationship to the Word of God. It says this, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. But what I would like to focus on is not the specific verse that we have there or its truths. We will deal with that to some degree, but I want us to look at the general content, the general theme. And look for the Lord to apply the general theme of this chapter to our lives spiritually. Now, the general idea here, it is after verse 1, after the death of Moses, the Lord's going to come to Joshua, who now is the leader of the children of Israel, and he's going to commission him in his service to him. This will be his lot. This will be his service for the Lord. It is to take the children of Israel from the wilderness into the promised land until there is a full inheritance obtained. But the theme that you have throughout this chapter is found in a particular phrase that you see here. It's four times in the text. You find it first in verse 6, then in verse 7. You found it down in verse 9, and then it concludes down at the very end in verse 18, and is this idea, be strong and of a good courage? You're here in Joshua chapter 1. If you like, you can jump over to Joshua chapter 10. But Joshua chapter 10 really stands out as a remarkable text. If you look at it for just a little bit and briefly scan over the verses, you might come across why it is such a remarkable text. It is not remarkable because there is a war that takes place. You find that in many texts in the Scripture. But what is remarkable here is that when these five armies, or these armies of the five kings of the Amorites, come against this town that has allegiance with uh, the children of Israel, Gibeon, and the children of Israel come up to defend them and to fight these five kings and their armies that Jehovah does something unusual. You could almost say unique, except that we have at least another text that does relate something of the same nature in another situation. And that is when you look at verse 12, you find in that text that you have Joshua saying to the Lord, Sun stand still, or say to the sun, I should say, Sun stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, verse 13, and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. It says in verse 14, There was no day like that before it or after it that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of man, for the Lord fought for Israel. The Lord Jehovah gave a tremendous victory but the five kings were preserved alive until the end of the chapter, or till the middle of the chapter, I should say. And there you have Joshua calling out the captains of the armies of Israel, and they bring them out, and Joshua asks the captains of the men of war, verse 24, to put their feet upon the necks of those kings. And then it says they came near and put their feet upon their necks. And Joshua said unto them, Fear not, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage. For thus shall the Lord do to all your enemies against whom you will fight. Without a doubt, that will be locked in the minds to experience something of that nature, that Jehovah intervened to this extent, that he disturbed creation. Not on a minor scale, He disturbed it regarding the entirety of our solar system. He broke all those rules of physics and of nature to answer this prayer and to give a deliverance in this way. And at the conclusion of that, Joshua says, Be strong and of a good courage. Jehovah will do this for you. It's remarkable. you have a similar text over in second chronicles 32. You can look at that if you like, second chronicles 32. In this text, you have the Assyrians that come against the kingdom. And as they come against the kingdom, king Sennacherib sends one of his servants to Jerusalem to call for its surrender. Humanly speaking, all statistics are against Jerusalem, against all of Israel, if they go to battle with the Assyrians. The officer sent to Jerusalem warns them that if they resist, they will die of famine and thirst. And practically speaking, he is absolutely correct in his assessment. That is not exaggeration, practically speaking. They would utterly conquer Jerusalem. Just before the conflict, knowing that this is coming, Hezekiah says this. Look at verse 7 and verse 8. He says, Be strong and courageous, speaking to his people. Be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria, nor for all the multitude that is with him. For there be more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord, Jehovah, our God, to help us and to fight our battles. And if you follow the text, Jehovah does exactly that. We won't turn to it, but in 2 Kings 19, in the parallel account, it says this, And it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred, fourscore, and five thousand. And then when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses, So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went and returned and dwelt in Nineveh. And it came to pass, as he was worshiping the house of Nisroch, his god, that Adrammelech and uh, Sharazur his sons, smote him with the sword. Jehovah did exactly as Hezekiah encouraged. In both cases, be strong and of a good courage. If you go back now to Joshua chapter 1, I would like us to ask a few questions of this text. I'd like us to try to answer those and then make some applications to our lives. As you look at this text, we need to first ask, what are strength and good courage? Well, when we speak of strength, we're not talking of physical strength. He's not being encouraged to somehow arm his soldiers to bring the men of war together to engage in greater training and combat exercises to prepare for what is about to happen. He's not speaking of physical strength. He's not speaking of some sort of strength of personality. That is that now maybe he is naturally timid, but now he should turn and become loud and outgoing and winsome and somehow lead to victory. What this is speaking of is an inner strength, an inner fortitude, a strength of spirit necessary to do what God has called you to do. To bear the cross God has called you to bear, to endure for His glory every suffering and trial and illness and loss, all that He permits in His loving sovereignty. You might be weak and frail in body, you might be naturally timid and shy but by the grace of Jehovah, you can possess the strength of heart to rise to anything that the Lord asks of you. Anything. And then good courage. Good courage is determination in the face of anything. Fill in the blank. Good courage is determination in the face of pain, in the face of grief, in the face of loss, in the face of anything that might cause fear. It is choosing to act in the face of fearful realities, no matter what that might be, no matter what might be the uncertainty. So if you put those together, what are strength and good courage... Well, you are called to have this. You are called to strengthen your heart and to have good courage for whatever Jehovah calls upon you to do or bear, even in the face of fearful possibilities, probabilities, and realities. I believe I've spoken before, and just out of a personal testimony, of a close friend of ours, Actually, a family, Scott and Tina Hatchett. Back in 2009, one of their five children was diagnosed with type one diabetes. That is different than type two, which uh, type one is more of a an issue that uh, where the pancreas is attacked. It stops producing insulin. It's much more serious. Every year, somebody with type 1 diabetes could face a crisis that could take their lives. Statistically, that is the case. They face it every year, either an extreme that could potentially take their lives, going high or going low on their sugar levels. That would be remarkable and a trial enough, but since that time until the present, two others of their five children were diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. That's, That's three children and really statistically, within the United States, there are just a handful, maybe a dozen families that have three children with type 1 diabetes. Last time we were here, around 2014-15, we met with them. I remember going to a Culver's, which you may not know, I don't know if they have Culver's around this part of the world. I know they do over in (laughs) Humble. But we love Culver's Burgers, and it's a great place. We love to go with Scott and Tina and their family. And When we were there, I gave a hug to their probably 18 or 19-year-old son, Caleb, and went to give him a hug. He complained that his shoulder was hurting and thought, thought it was a rotary cuff. It ended up being Ewing sarcoma, which is a very aggressive pediatric cancer, uh, can easily take the life of someone, often does. He was given an 11% chance of survival. He went through all the treatments and for about three years had no evidence of disease after that. It was remarkable. During that time, he told his dad, he said, Dad, whether I live or whether I die, I want to glorify the Lord. And what happens? This young man, his father, Scott, his mom, Tina, have displayed this strength and good courage in a remarkable way. Since I was here last time with you, I got a call from Scott. We were talking, and now they have found about the size of a lima bean growth on that whole plate of cancer. They finally were shown a picture of the cancer. It's just mostly porous dead matter right now, but he said it virtually fills his chest cavity. And they found a pea-sized growth. They don't know what it is, but of the three options, two of them are extremely deadly. Ewing sarcoma, they don't think you would make it through Thanksgiving. Leukemia, about a 30% chance of survival. Possibly a small growth from the bone and unusual growth of of that matter. They don't know they were going to do surgery when they found out what that surgery would mean. He might lose the entire operation of that arm because it's so invasive, it's so deep. And uh, certainly he would not be able to go back to school this semester. He's in college, he's finishing up a nursing degree this semester. So they postponed it. So when we talk about this, I, I bring that up because of this. Strength and good courage is even in the face of all fearful possibilities. Probabilities. And you can see this even in the lives of the testimony of this family. And now it could be realities. This is what Jehovah is calling upon us to have. Strength and good courage in the face of whatever he calls us to do or to bear. Whatever it might be. Whatever the loss might be. What is the source of strength and good courage? Well, verse 1, it's not found in men. Verse 1, we already read it now, after the death of Moses. Moses died. He was his mentor. He was Joshua's mentor, and Moses is dead. It's not found in men. He can't look to anybody else again like that. It's not found in the numbers. The numbers that they have, it's not to look to that. It's not found in practical considerations. Remember the report of the ten spies who spied out the land. They spoke of great nations, fortified cities, and giants. If you want to go to practical considerations in this kind of situation, in Joshua chapter 1, if you want to go to practical considerations in the life of my friends Scott and Tina, or potentially in what you are experiencing or what you might face in 2019, if you want to look at practical considerations, you won't find strength and good courage. It's not in some man. It's not in some reasoning as we try to reason it all out. But it is to be found in Jehovah himself. That is what you see in this text. As you see in verse 5, he says, As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. It is found in the presence of Jehovah. At the end of verse 9, he says this, For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. And we need not think of this just in some sort of immaterial, well wish kind of way. But this is a reality that Jehovah wants us to count on, that the creator of the universe is with us. He is with you. And in looking at that and focusing upon that, that could be strengthened. In fact, in the text, he doesn't just say he's with him, that would be enough. But then he strengthens that. He says, as I was with Moses, so I will be be with thee. That speaks of his works to strengthen this whole matter of good courage and strength, inner fortitude. Look to Jehovah. He's with you. And these are the kind of things that he does. He splits the Red Sea. He breaks a rock and brings forth water. Everything he did for Moses, he would do for you. It is the works of Jehovah, but it's also not only what Jehovah does, but who Jehovah is. He says, I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. That speaks of his faithfulness. But you can add on that every single attribute of Jehovah. To be built in strength and good courage, it is to lock on that Jehovah is with you in everything He calls upon you to do and to bear. And you strengthen that by looking upon Him, what He does, and who He is. So many, so many are plagued by failure. Jehovah, He is long suffering. He is kind. He is good. Because of His forgiveness, He can be feared. Because of His forgiveness, He is forgiving. He is all powerful. He is all knowing. He knows everything. You feel like you're on an island that no one else understands. Maybe that's come from your mouth. There is one that wholly understands and he's with you more personally than your own spouse could be. It is Jehovah. And the Spirit of God that he gives to indwell you, he has a name. He is the Comforter. Allow that to build strength. And good courage. But it doesn't just stop at that to build strength and good courage. It is not only what he does, not only who he is, but it is his very promises, his word. He gives several of those within the text. He says in verse 3 Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. He brings them back to his own word, to his own promises. And to be built in faith, it's not to be built in something ethereal, it is to be built upon something solid, the Word of God. This is the source of our faith. This is where we nurture and strengthen our faith. And when that time comes, whether it is to suffer personally some illness, or to suffer some loss, or to step forward and say, Lord... Here I am. Send me no matter what the cost. What do we need? We need to know that Jehovah's with us. And this is what he does. And this is what he is like. And these are the things he has promised. And he's faithful to every word, he has never failed. And he'll do that for you. So, with that, I'd like to look at the four different situations or cases in in which we need strength and good courage. We've already detailed some of that, so we'll go through this somewhat quickly. But the very first one is simply seen in verse 5, I'm sorry, in verse 6, where he says, Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people thou shalt divide divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. We need, or strength and good courage is required to faithfully do what God calls us to do. Or what He calls us to bear. We need strength and good courage. When Jehovah calls upon us to do something or to bear something, the ability is fully resolved in His presence. The ability is resolved. If he's called you to do it, if he's called you to bear it, the ability is taken care of because it all rests on him. He's the one that's going to do it. He is the one that's giving the land, and he is the one that's doing the work. But it is for you. It is for you by God's grace, to appropriate that truth of His presence, it is for you to appropriate that and to do it with strength and good courage. It is your responsibility. It is for you to do by the grace of God. Secondly, we see in verse 7 and verse 8, We already read verse 8, and we talked about that, talking about the Word of God and our relationship with Jehovah through His Word, but look at the start of that. Only be thou strong, verse 7, only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. And then this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Secondly, strength and good courage are required to walk with the Lord while we do what He's called upon us to do. While we bear the cross He's called us to bear. Service unto Jehovah without a faithful walk with Jehovah is not success. You have examples of a failure in this respect, even in the New Testament. You look at Revelation chapter 2, you don't need to turn there. But the word to the church at Ephesus, the Lord says regarding that church, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. You've tried them, would say they are apostles and are not. You've found them liars. You've borne and have patience, and for my sake have labored and have not fainted. Remarkable. They've done what the Lord asked them to do. But then this, he says Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. It's not enough just to do service unto our King. He desires a personal relationship with us. It is to be in love that we do these things, and that love will manifest itself. The main hallmark of that love is a fervent relationship with Him through the Word. I can talk to spouses. I'll give an illustration from the man's side to the woman's side your wife is sitting there, and she's or standing there, she's doing dishes. I don't know if you wash dishes by hand. In Morocco, we wash by hand. <laughs> in Cameroon, by hand. Our children know by hand. But you have machines. You still got to clean them off right and put them in there, right? And maybe you have one of those super machines. You just throw it in there irregardless. But let's just say your wife is there, and she's scrubbing some pots and things like that that can't fit in. Right? The husband comes in, and uh, you know, he offers his help. She takes it, and, and he takes over washing those dishes. Afterwards, he goes, he sits down, his wife is there, and they have some time to talk. The next day is her birthday. He sends her flowers. He sends her a note. Everything's written as it's always been written for the last 25 years of their marriage. But none of it is in love. Will you know that as a wife? Absolutely. You will know it. All the right things being done. But not in love it's better and so with our Lord he doesn't desire mere service he wants us to walk with him and love through his word while we do what he's called us to do and while we bear what he's called us to bear and we do that with a personal relationship with him through His Word. And then thirdly, strength and good courage are required to continue forward when faced with fearful realities, when th- with things that would cause dismay. It says here in verse 9, Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, nor neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. It seems the focus here is on the matter of the fear and the dismay. We understand fear. Dismay speaks of distress, anxiety, sorrow, typically, typically caused by something unexpected. And certainly he would have that. Speaking of the land of the Hittites and of the giants and of nations stronger and more powerful than them. And whatever the Lord is calling us to go through or to do for Him, there are certain fearful elements to it. And for us to go through this, to go through and to continue forward when faced with fearful realities, we must have strength and good courage. To glorify God in that, we don't go through that with fear and intrepidation. We go through that with confidence in our Lord. Confidence in His Word, confidence in His presence. Looking to Him. And if it is, that what that fearful possibility is, if it becomes reality. And you, like Saeed, you do get called in. You do go in to jail. You are questioned. You can do that with strength and good courage because even in that prison cell, Jehovah is with you even as your son goes through that kind of treatment, that kind of cancer, Jehovah is with you and He's with him. And lastly, if you look at the text, verses 10 and following, really deal with a, a matter of Joshua addressing the people. He addresses the people to ask them to prepare to go Then he addresses in verse 12 and following the two and a half tribes on the other side of Jordan. If you remember, Moses had said to them, yes, you can live on the other side of Jordan, but when it's time to go into the promised land, you must come. Your men of war must come until we secure the promised land. So Joshua reminds them of that and calls upon them to do their duty that they agreed to. And then in verse 16 they answered Joshua saying all that thou commandest us we will do and whithersoever thou sendest us we will go according as we hearken unto Moses in all things so will we hearken uh, unto thee only the Lord God thy God be with thee as he was with Moses whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment and will not hearken unto thy words and all that thou commandest him he shall be put to death and then this is remarkable not from Jehovah not a word from Jehovah to Joshua But now from those that are following Him, they ask this one thing of Him, only be strong and of a good courage. And fourthly, we need strength and good courage as we lead others while we do what God calls us to do, while we bear what God calls upon us to bear. We need strength and good courage. All of us have influence, even if we do not have a position of leadership. A position does not dictate one who has leadership or one who has influence. All of you, down to the youngest, you have influence. Your attitude, your posture, respecting what God has called you to do or for what what God has called you to bear, even as a child, in your relationship with your parents, in your relationship to your schooling, whatever it might be, possibly even in a situation like with Caleb, an illness that you're facing, even at a young age. Or a situation you're facing, a crisis in your family. And children have to sometimes face crisis in their families. But for the adults, the oldest here to the youngest, we have influence on others. And to have the right influence that glorifies Jehovah, we must do what he calls us to do and bear what he's called upon us to bear with strength and good courage. Well, how important is this? You remember back in the book of Judges, or over in the book of Judges, I should say, when Gideon was preparing to go to battle, in Judges 7.3, the fearful were turned back. He says this, now therefore go to and proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from the mount from Mount Gilead. And the return of the people twenty and two thousand. And there remained ten thousand. Two-thirds of the people went back. And that wasn't just something that was pulled out of the air, some sort of application. Now the other where they drank water and weeded down further, yes, that was something under God's direct guidance. But the first wasn't, because you find in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 1 through 8, it says this, When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies, and seest horses and chariots and a people more than thou, be not afraid of them. For the Lord thy God is with thee. Let not your hearts faint, fear not, do not tremble, neither be ye terrified because of them. For the the Lord your God is he that goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. And he says this in that law. The officer shall speak unto the people, saying, What man is there? And he's going to give four different situations where these types of people need to go back, whether they built a new house, or they planted a vineyard, or they were recently betrothed to a wife. But the last one is this And what man is there that is fearful and faint hearted? Let him go and return into his house, lest his brethren's heart faint as well as his heart. We need strength and good courage because of our influence. Upon those around us as we go through what God has called upon us to do. So let's make this practical. What does your wife need, husbands? She needs a husband who is strong and of good courage to do what God wants him to do, to walk with God while doing the same, and to continue forward without fear in the face of fearful realities. Wives, what does your husband need? What does your husband need? He needs the same in you. Parents, what do your children need? They need to see this in you. Grandparents, the same. What does this church body need? It needs men, women, young people, and children who have this same spirit. Not in their own strength, right? But because Jehovah is with them, and they're counting upon that, and they've nourished that faith of Jehovah's presence in all that Jehovah asks them to do by looking at what He does, who He is, and what He has promised. And because of that, that work of grace in them, they have strength and good courage. That will utterly transform a church body. So I just want to close with this from Psalm 27, 14. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. And as we look at this new year, pray, Father, that you would help us by your grace to appropriate your presence in our lives. That we would appropriate it in what you've called upon us to do and what you've called upon us to suffer. What you've called upon us to bear. That truly you would be glorified in us and through us And we thank you. You are faithful. Let us not bring shame to your name in our attitude, in our fearfulness. Forgive us where we have. Help us to be renewed in our minds and our hearts this morning so that we might have this kind of spirit refreshed in us and strengthened in us. We thank you for your presence. We count upon it in everything we do. We praise you that you are faithful to every promise you give and that you will not fail. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor.